0: Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel.
1: Hello, Jill, and hello, listeners.
0: Hello, everyone. And today we are talking about myth busting for the health and fitness industry because there's a load of shite (laughs) to put it mildly flying around in the world isn't there we've heard it all over our vast years of experience so we're gonna bust a few myths for you today
1: yeah most of the time when you hear a load of rubbish spoken it's normally to try and sell you something but going through our list that's not really the case is it it's just misinformation yeah there probably is a few ones where kind of the basis is to sell you something, but really it's yeah. just been it's just gone on for that long, people now believe it. And once you say something for a long enough time it just sticks. And I think that's the case here, isn't it?
0: I know. I think when I was a muggle, like you know, like a normal person, before I was enlightened. <laughs> you don't do Harry Potter, do you?
1: No, that d- just <sighs> totally you went just over my head.
0: Oh I understand. <laughs>
1: Hence the silence. <laughs>
0: Dan doesn't do Harry Potter. This is like, we're going to have to make you do, read Harry Potter book. So anyway, muggles are the people who are just like normal people who aren't magic. (laughs) And um, yeah, before that, I thought that all of these myths that we've come up with were true.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people still do. So we're going to go through the list. And for those of you that are relatively educated, or you might have trained with me and Jill, or you just, you know what you're talking about. These might seem really obvious, but then there's others where it might just spark something in your brain and think, oh, subconsciously, I actually think that to some degree. And it's not your fault, really, Gus. It's just been passed to you over your whole life, and you've just never questioned it. And They're quite interesting, aren't they? Some of them.
0: I think they are. I've got lots of chocolate and red wine ones.
1: And hormone ones.
0: And hormone, yeah. I make Dan talk about periods a lot on this podcast.
1: (laughs) which was not my intention when I came up with the topic for this podcast, but I've got a funny feeling that's going to go in that direction.
0: Yeah. Dan is an enlightened trainer. <laughs> right, right, go on then. What's your first one?
1: Right. So first fitness myth busting is a pretty simple one. And I hope most people understand this, but it's just a bit of a phrase which gets tossed around in the exercise community and it's no pain, no gain, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So pushing yourself in a workout or an exercise program till you feel a little bit of discomfort and fatigue is good, okay? That's what makes us stronger. But pushing yourself to where you you feel actual pain is pointless, it's a big red flag, okay? It's your body's way of telling you that something is wrong. When your body's in pain, it'll do almost anything to get out of pain. It's it's a hardwired instinct. So it'll do things like create compensatory movement patterns, as well, So you go to the gym and you're in pain, but you think I need to keep going to the gym to get fit. And you're just working yourself into a progressively worse pattern. So what you should do is back off, get the problem sorted and then go back feeling 100% better. And then you'll be able to p- progress a lot quicker. But the whole no pain, no gain is just silly. It Literally, it just rhymes. And, <laughs> and people yeah. just say it like it's, a, like it's a motto of going to the gym or doing an exercise class it needs to be eliminated ASAP
0: yes I agree so a little bit of discomfort is normal especially after you've exercised like Dan normally gets the obligatory text from me which part of my body is non-compliant anymore after a training session that's normal. It's not normal to be crawling out of a class. You know, we do bar class, which is very intensive on the calf muscles and the quads. And after the class, people are like shaking, walking downstairs. That's perfectly normal. You've just worked those muscles. But to be being sick, like you see a lot of people are oh, left, like you do these like high intensity workouts till the, till they're vomiting and stuff like that. That is a massive stress response, isn't it? That's just your body trying to get rid of everything because it thinks you're about to die. That's not a good place to be
1: no and people take painkillers and anti-inflammatories so they can go to the gym and work out
0: yeah that's,
1: that's really dangerous because then your body it's just masking all the signals that your body's given if you kind of feel the pain then your chances are you're gonna do yourself more damage and then when the painkillers or the anti-inflammatories wear off and the adrenaline and the dopamine of the exercise session is is cooled off and you're going to be in even more pain so yeah. go back and get the problem sorted and then you'll be better in the future. So simple one to begin with, but yeah, let's eliminate it.
0: Okay. We're putting that into room
1: 101. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should have big lever.
0: Okay. Lifting weights will make you bulky. I hear this all the time. Oh, I don't want to bulk up. Well, you're not going to bulk up if you're a woman in particular, because we haven't got the testosterone levels that men have, unless you are really trying to bulk up and you're eating the right levels of protein and you're lifting the right levels of weights. There is no way on this earth that you're going to bulk up. Also, there's a big difference between muscle mass and muscle strength, isn't it? That people don't realize that they're two different things. So bodybuilders will focus on building muscle mass because that's those big muscle. doesn't necessarily make, I mean, they normally are quite strong, obviously, but they muscle strength, you can build muscle strength without building muscle mass, right?
1: Yeah. So there's an inverse relationship between the amount of reps you do on an exercise and the amount of strength that will build. So you can literally go to the gym and, um, if you want to build strength, you can do a, I know, a, a squat and you can just do two reps. But if mm-hmm. that's close to your one rep max, then there's not much muscle breakdown. It's more the nervous system, which you are training to be really strong. But like you said, if you want to build muscle, you're then going to do more reps with a lower weight to break the muscle down, which makes it, which means it's going to come back stronger. So you can go to the gym and you, you can do pretty low uh, repetitions, just maybe one to five repetitions, and you're not having that muscle breakdown, but you're gaining strength and you won't get bulky. But in general, lifting weights is a really good idea. And like you said, women just don't have the hormones to create that bulk and that mass. And even men who create that real bulk and mass, they're normally taking some sort of synthetic testosterone or steroids. If you just weight train and you eat healthy, you just build nice lean muscle. You don't get that bulk. Again, it's just Mm. one of these fitness things and a few kind of outstanding examples. The light gets shone on them and people think that's the norm, but it's not, is it?
0: No, and you've got to be really, really trying to build muscle to actually be like a bodybuilder. You're not going to. And sometimes people do start to change their body shape but that's a, in a good way, not like, you know, your shoulders get a bit wider, but it's, that, that's how it should be. It's not, it's not, 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 you're building these massive biceps or anything. It's just the natural shape that your body should be.
1: Yeah. The body shape is probably the best thing to monitor and to use to track progress. Cause mm-hmm. you might even, if you begin weight training, you might actually increase weight because you're putting on muscle, which is more dense than fat. So, if you just look at the skills, then you might get disheartened because the numbers might go up, but your body shape is going to totally change and your actual silhouette might look a lot smaller, but you might be heavier on the skills. So, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around a little bit, especially when the weight on the skills is used as a marker mm. in the fitness industry a lot. But try and just get rid of those altogether and just focus on the way you feel, the way you look, and your body shape, the way your clothes fit. That's, those are better indicators really and energy levels is a good one as well
0: mm, i know when um like before i did loads of training and i was the weight that i am now i was about three sizes bigger in clothes than i am now
1: yeah so it's harder to push over it, <laughs> <laughs> it's it sounds counterintuitive though doesn't
0: it it does yeah Yeah, it's really, really weird. Okay, so we're putting that one in. You won't get bulky off lifting weights. In fact, we encourage you to lift weights because especially as a woman, as you get older, we need to keep muscle mass and muscle strength because it starts to decrease as you get older.
1: Yeah, and the more muscle you have, the higher your your metabolism is going to be Mm. as well. If you've got more muscle on your body, again, we're not talking about big kind of Hulk muscles. We're just talking nice lean muscle then your metabolism is going to be higher, which means you're going to burn through calories a lot quicker as well. So you're going to be less prone to kind of increasing in body fat if you just have more muscle on your body anyway.
0: Yeah, it's metabolically active. So you can eat the same amount of calories, but lose fat.
1: Right, so that one's in room 101. Yeah. So next, spot fat reduction. This is a massive one, isn't it?
0: I hate this some people go, how can I lose weight off my ass or my belly usually my belly
1: this is probably the biggest one we need to bust isn't it because it's just as a fitness professional someone into exercise and holistic health it just becomes pretty annoying when you hear it for about the five thousandth time (laughs) how do you feel the same
0: yeah yeah indeed it's like it's one it's one of those myths that persist and people even say oh i know you can't spot reduce but how do i do this yeah but how do i do it (laughs) yeah like just get rid of your overall mass and the places will start to decrease as a byproduct of reduction in fat for the rest of your body, right?
1: Yeah. So if the body is going to use fat as energy and you're going to go to the gym and do an exercise, then generally to fuel that exercise, the body is just going to use the fat, which was put onto your body last. And again, genetics come in as well, because some people carry excess body fat, around the legs, or the, or the arms, or their abdomen. And so the body's just going to use wherever it has excess and just use that for fuel. I mean, crunches is the big one and sit-ups for the abdomen. People so, people think if I do 100 sit-ups a day, it's, I'm going to burn this belly fat. But there's no direct link between belly fat and the rectus abdominis muscle. They're just two different things. But people persist in doing it, but it's just it's not that way. So please, please understand that. Just having a healthy lifestyle and doing exercise in general, your body will burn fat throughout the whole body. And eventually, when your body fat comes down enough, then you'll be able to see those six pack muscles because the whole body fat is lower. That's just fact.
0: That is true. People always say, How do I get abs? Abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym really. It's it, you can do, <laughs> there's only so big that the rectus abdominis can grow, and the transverse abdominis hardly grows at all but it gets stronger but it's you can't see it it's it's internal so th- there's only so much you can do it's yeah. all a down to diet and insulin resistance as well when uh, women reach a certain age you become oh, well everybody actually men as well you become more insulin resistant so you, every time you eat a sugary thing more insulin's produced and then your cells get used to that, they're not picking it up as quickly as they used to be as efficiently so then they ask for more insulin and then ask for more and then all of that that excess energy that's going in just gets stored as fat on your belly so as you get older it's reducing the sugar as well mainly that will get rid of the will reduce that area and but of course overall reduction that'll be the last area that will go
1: some people they might feel quite fortunate because they don't gather a lot of fat around the abdomen they might get it which they call the bingo wings on the back of their arms so you think doing loads of tricep exercises is going to burn that, but it's just it's just two different things. The, the tricep muscle and the fat around the arm, the two different types of tissue, there's no kind of direct link. It's just a, an overall lowering of body fat will change the shape of your body. And there's a, there was an interesting study that was the Journal of Strength and Conditioning. There was 11 people did a program for 12 weeks where they only exercised on one leg, so just the right leg, which is a bit strange, but they just did an exercise program on one the, leg. To the hop. So, so hop or on a <laughs> single, single leg squats, single leg squat. squats and extensions and hamstring curls. So this is for twelve weeks, just on one leg. Mm. Okay, and they lost the same amount of fat on each leg, and even more mm. from the abdomen. So it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter. Okay, they probably gained more muscle on one side of the body. That's going to
0: still have a. a- Weak leg,
1: wouldn't they? Oh yeah, of course. But in terms of fat reduction, there was no difference. The body just used fat from everywhere on the body to fuel the exercise. So Mm,
0: interesting. Good one.
1: Cool. So what's next?
0: I want to talk about women's periods. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So you can join in if you want (laughs) that. So there's a big myth that you shouldn't exercise during your period. On the first day of your period your hormones have dropped right down both progesterone and estrogen are at their lowest level at the will ever be, for the rest of the month so it technically we're more like a man at that point on the first day of your period that is the day that you should be exercising paula radcliffe actually broke the world record on the first day of her period so yeah and it's actually one of the best things to do for your period as well especially if you get um stomach cramps and stuff doing some exercise will help to alleviate those problems
1: surely it's going to take your mind as well by Getting that endorphin rush and dopamine and that good feeling. Yeah, of getting some good yeah. hormones
0: in. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there you go, girls. Exercise. It will help with the stomach cramps and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Is it harder to get your head around exercising because you're not feeling your best?
0: It depends. Yeah. Some people just feel really tired. It's that kind of fatigue and stuff. But yeah, you should you should make the effort to do it. And actually, I've been doing recently um a cancer course as well about exercising while doing chemotherapy. And um, you know how it's always like this is kind of a an a side myth that you shouldn't exercise while you're having chemo because it's all to do with resting and stuff like that. And the, the doctor that I've been training with, she was saying that actually that's a that's a myth. You should actually exercise because it, it alleviates some of the um like the feelings of nausea and stuff that you get when you're having chemo chemo and the fatigue exercise can energy creates energy. We've talked about that in our other podcasts haven't we so actually doing exercise and movement i mean i'm not saying like run a marathon or anything but just doing some gentle exercise can really help to alleviate all of those stomach pains and stuff that you get
1: yeah surely kind of increased blood flow and getting oxygen and nutrition around the body in the different areas yeah and the body's designed to move isn't it so surely it's got to help
0: it absolutely does there's my myth that's going into room 101
1: there it goes Yes, okay, so next one <laughs> I'm going to say is people think that more is better. So they go to the gym, they get stuck in a routine of, I have to go six days a week or sometimes seven days a week, but more isn't better. Sometimes the more you do, the worse results you get. Okay. Rest is essential because when you're in the gym or doing exercise classes, generally you're going to break down muscle. So it's catabolic and then you need the rest to go, into the anabolic state where the body is going to recover and that's where you're going to get fitter and stronger so more is not better rest is absolutely vital so we did was episode 23 Mm -hmm. okay so we did work in work out so that explains that a lot more in detail Mm -hmm. and again it's the principle of train don't drain okay less is more yeah it might sound counterintuitive but you'll probably enjoy your time doing exercise classes or going to the gym a lot more if you're going in there and feeling strong and feel as though you're making progress and not just treading water and getting frustrated. So more is not better in this instance. Boom. Good one. Next. Good one, Dan. On a mission.
0: <laughs> God, you're scaring me now. <laughs> uh, women should train like men. This is my one, three. those three week on, one week off protocols that they do when you're training a team or you're training for a, a marathon or anything, You always go like, you should be training for three weeks and have a week off and then three weeks and have a week off. Women, no, we are different to men. We can't do that. We have different hormonal cycles. You have to train to your own hormonal cycle. And I think it's starting to become a little bit more prevalent nowadays. I know some of the female football teams were starting to, to work towards the their own menstrual cycle slightly more complicated because you'll have different members of the team on different training types of days, but it, apparently it's um, making big progress in the types of um, gains that they're they're getting from the team, so it's all good.
1: Yeah, well, physiologically speaking, it makes total sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. So, I first heard about these concepts. Obviously, we studied through the Czech Institute, and there's a program called Equal but Not the Same, which is really good. Where you like say most of the the training programs were based around men but obviously women are totally different so the czech institute made a program well originally it was based on paul's i think he wrote an article called training jane not tarzan mm-hmm. and that explained these principles mm-hmm. and so if people want to dive into this a little bit more um equal but not the same through the czech institute is really good mm-hmm. but on a going down a slightly different path we were speaking off air before we started i always was under the impression that when through women's kind of period cycle if a lot of women were together that they would end up cycling together Mm -hmm. okay and some women have experience of this and others don't
0: yeah
1: i mean what's your experience um i
0: i can i've heard it loads of times (laughs) i've lived with seven women at university and yeah, we all did. After like a week or two of being back together, we all started like being having our periods at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think this is kind of...
0: If you're on I a natural think, I think cycle, it's called,
1: is, yeah. Yeah, I think it's called the law of synchronicity, but I might be wrong. But I just find it quite fascinating, okay? Because this is also, I might just be making this up. <laughs> but Maybe
0: you should do some experiments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard it before, where if you had multiple clocks in your house and then you had, say, like a big grandfather clock, then all the other clocks would match up with the, they would synchronize with the biggest clock, and I'm sure that's true.
0: I don't think that's true. I'm, to, I'm <laughs> what, this. I hope it's true. I'm just going to sound
1: like an idiot. I think it's just the scale and the size. of it. I'm sure they all match up. I'm to find out. Makes the grandfather
0: clock the dominant clock. Do the all um, other clocks d- look at him? No, and just go. size.
1: Yeah, just oh, size. It's he's, like he's it's, massive. <laughs> it's like the animal kingdom was just like the big silverback in the room. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there's the silverback grandfather clock, yeah. we better follow him. <laughs> so may... people,
1: do your own research, because I could be totally be making this up, but in my head, that's <laughs> true. I like
0: the thought of it, though, because obviously I love a crystal, and <laughs> um, clocks are powered by quartz, right? Quartz crystals, so it could well be. I'm not going to laugh too much at you, because, you know, I am a crystal fan.
1: <laughs> this is backing up my anecdotal research.
0: So Dan wants to do some research on whether women synchronize together uh, and whether no, you do that.
1: Clocks. I'll do the clock one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Moving on swiftly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> go on to our next one.
0: Um, you can't build muscle as you age. I get, I hear this a lot from people go, Oh, I'm too, it's too late for me to start. Um, it's not never too late. I think the human body is in a miraculous, amazing thing. And, we are the, the masters of adaptation, and that will happen at any age. And you can build muscle, you can increase your mobility, you can do all of the stuff at any age. And, of course, if you continue to use the stuff, you don't lose it anyway. So, you know, keep going.
1: It kind of reminds me of when boxers and mixed martial artists, they're notorious between fights because a lot of the time they have to cut weight and get down to a weight for a fight. And then they might have three or four months before the next fight. So they balloon up in weight and then they have to cut Mm. back down. That up and down in weight is very stressful on the body. But some of the most successful fighters ever, they just stay in shape between fights. So it's a lot easier. It's kind of that whole thing of just stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm. So if you just get fit when you're young and just maintain that throughout your life, then it's going to be a lot easier to maintain, isn't it? And just keep... Without actually having to try as hard.
0: Yeah. And if I had a pound for everyone and said to me, Oh, I wish I'd started this 20 years ago, I'd be a very rich woman indeed. So start now, keep going. Persistency. We've said this before persistency and consistency override intensity every time. So just little and often, little and often, and there's no need to lose it. There's no need to lose anything.
1: Yeah. It's just like investing if you, if you just do it a little bit, but all the time, your future self is going to is gonna thank you, isn't
0: it? We don't live for our future self, though, do we? We live in the moment. Yeah,
1: but it's it's a good mindset to get into, isn't it? Mm. You might not enjoy it now. It's sacrificing that short-term pleasure for that long-term fulfillment. And it's just, it happens with everything, with money, with health, trying to th- have that long view, isn't it? Like we've already said before, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time is now.
0: Yeah. Good one, Dan.
1: Right. Next up, exercising on an empty stomach. People have different perspectives on this one. So it's a preference. I personally feel stronger if I have food on board. But some people can train on an empty stomach and feel really strong. And other people can have a mix of both. So I know you've experienced this as well. Mm-hmm. But some people just think that exercising on an empty stomach is the best way. But it's not. It's I think it's preference, definitely.
0: I think it's preference. It doesn't make any difference. Like, can you remember when I thought I'd cracked the cord to deadlift in like loads and it was doing it fasted? We were like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week I tried it and it like, no,
1: <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. just
0: didn't happen. So
1: there's so many more things going on, isn't there?
0: So many variables. Yeah. yeah. I think it's all down to preference. Like, I'm not one who's like massively influenced by food in terms of my bodily functions, if you know what I mean that sounds really weird but i can train in a fasted state i can train having eaten something it doesn't make any difference to me to my gains or anything we've tried haven't we in various different ways so yeah what about you
1: so i find that if i have food i feel stronger but some people feel stronger when they fasted then do that so there's, there's no hard and fast rule here is what we're trying to say. So don't believe people who say you have to do it this way or that way. Do a little bit of experimentation and just listen to your own body. So cool. there we go.
0: That one's going in. Um, have we done sit-ups? Are the best for tummy?
1: Yeah, we, we kind of covered that in the, yeah, getting rid of abdomen fat really, didn't we? That's probably yeah, what but- i twice because it's bloody annoying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we see a lot of people doing sit-ups, thinking that they're going to get their abdominals ripped and sit-ups are probably the worst exercise, in my opinion, for abdominal exercises. Not only do they train you into that bent over posture, which we see a lot of, which we're all in too long nowadays, but they're, not, they're targeting the rectus abdominis, which is the outer layer, but they're not doing anything for your intern. So they're not doing anything for the actual functioning of your body. In fact, they're probably hindering the function of your body because they, they pu- they'll pull you down and create more muscular imbalances.
1: Yeah, in general, most people are in far too much flexion anywhere. Mm. So doing a load of crunches, which is just a trunk flexion exercise, you just train yourself even more into that bad pattern. So you need to do more extension exercises. But like we said earlier, the only reason people do them is because they think if they do crunches, they're going to burn the belly fat. But no, you need to just decrease body fat in general. If you want to have that six-pack, look, just have a low enough body fat that you can see your abdominal muscles. That's essentially mm. it, isn't it?
0: And then do some really good functional core exercises to yeah. create that that tone that needs to be there.
1: Yeah, so you see people like sprinters who are so explosive. They have low body fat and they have high muscle. They don't do a thousand crunches every day. They sprint, but mm. they have, they'll have they have a six pack and they'll they'll be so defined. But it's not because they do crunches all day. It's because they train yeah. explosive, big, powerful movements.
0: I bet they don't do any crunches
1: they won't know they'll do they'll do power lifting and sprints and explosive movements because your, your rectus abdominis it is a gross explosive muscle as well so even doing just big explosive exercises those muscles have to fire so they're going to strengthen anyway
0: but then having that really really tight rectus abdominis which is not it's quite abnormal really it would hinder your breath pattern and all sorts as well wouldn't it you know because like you use those muscles to breathe if you kind of expand out of your belly because your abdominals are too tight that'll have knock-on effects it's just creating more problems really
1: yeah so adding some more extension exercises as well
0: that's my excuse why i haven't got a six pack
1: (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's going to lead us on to your wine and chocolate based (laughs) research which seems to make an appearance every roughly five episodes so I'll let you go into that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is absolute confirmation bias on my part, and I know that that's what is occurring. So I love a bit of chocolate. I'm not going to lie, I am a chocoholic. So I found I've trolled the internet for this research, absolutely trolled it. So um, there was a study done by the National Institute for Health. I don't know what country it did in. I think it's in America. Was
1: this funded it funded by Cadbury's by any chance? <laughs> yeah probably
0: no. <laughs> funded by twix so the did a study found that consuming a small amount of chocolate for five days was linked to a lower bmi and even if the person ate more calories overall and didn't exercise any more than the other participants then they still lowered their bmi
1: <laughs> you can't even say that without laughing can you <laughs>
0: I am fully authenticating that that (laughs) bit of research. (laughs) I love
1: it. Is there no more discussion on this subject? Is it just no more
0: discussion? That's end of the discussion. (laughs) The chocolate is good. Um, and I I will give you that. It's probably they didn't specify. I'm suspecting it's not a Mars bar a day that the people were eating. Be like one square of high quality, ninety percent cocoa chocolate.
1: Yeah, organic, and it'll be a tiny little piece. But it makes an interesting study.
0: Yeah, the chocolate diet is a thing. I am I'm having it. It's allowed.
1: (laughs) And what Um, about your red wine-based research?
0: Oh yeah, red wine as well. Although you know what, I've had to admit that my love affair with red wine is coming to a very, very much of an end. Because now I'll drink wine and I love I love red wine. It's like my favorite thing in the world. But it keeps us awake all night. Now you know how much listeners you'll know if you've listened to this podcast how much I love my sleep as well and sleep has to take priority over the red wine so but talk those, about an
1: internal battle
0: <laughs> you just don't know what's going on in my head this <laughs> stress stress situation so I have found some good red wine research though that res- <laughs> this is another um, chemical that I'm going to try to pronounce which will probably get our listeners going that's not how you pronounce it reserve <laughs> Res- resveratrol which is in red wine is really good for your heart so there you go
1: so jill says have <laughs> if you want a strong healthy heart have a eat chocolate and red wine and have red wine and don't sleep and you'll be all right <laughs>
0: no you've got to sleep you've got oh, yeah but if you drink the wine you can't it's a, it's a battle it's everything in moderation is my key thing yeah, here take absolutely. away and also chocolate lowers cortisol as well so it's good for de-stressing
1: well yeah I mean like you said everything in in moderation who doesn't enjoy a treat now and again and a glass of wine or or a beer just be in control of it I mean that's it's pretty straightforward isn't it
0: yeah you have this weird thing don't you (laughs) if you think you're addicted to something like I just I just
1: go cold turkey
0: you do it's bizarre yeah
1: Yeah, I'm pretty good at that yeah I don't I don't even tell anyone either until I've done it for weeks (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's like, like Dan, Dan just disappeared off Facebook
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like just gone
1: just vanished. and then
0: and then it was like oh yeah I thought I was getting addicted to it so I just blanked it out
1: <laughs> I did the same with coffee one day I just <laughs> I'm, I mean I'm, I'm, I'll am have a coffee now but I was like yeah I haven't had coffee for like three weeks four weeks <laughs> I didn't tell anyone <laughs> and not that you have to tell people but it's these internal things you have going in your head don't you
0: You're really good at that. I'm really bad. Like if I start to tell myself I can't have something, like like, that's all I think about. As I told you about the time I gave up crisps for (laughs) Lent. Oh my god, it was the worst thing I ever did. I started like being obsessed by crisps and like normally I'm not obsessed by crisps. I only have like, you know, a few bags a day. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and um anyway I started looking in bins and stuff like and were everywhere. <laughs> it like...
1: are you sure you want to admit this <laughs> that you're a bin bear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just bizarre so that was my experiment so I decided after that experiment that I was never going to tell my brain that I couldn't have anything I think I am programmed if someone says you can't do something that I have to do it and even if I don't want to do it I have to do it
1: yeah, I think I'm you know.
0: a bit of a rebellious nature.
1: That's what it must be. You've got the rebel archetype.
0: I, I think I totally think I have. If someone says to me, you can't do that, I'll be like, no, that's not happening.
1: The trouble <laughs> is, though, you're rebelling against yourself. No one's telling I you know. you can't have these things. It's,
0: like, it's only in my own internal, internal conflict.
1: We're <laughs> right, bearing so,
0: our souls here now done our internal conflicts.
1: So, well, next up, we're kind of on this on the same subject. Eating fat makes you fat. Okay, this is a massive oh, misnomer I hate and this it one. Oh, drives me crazy as well. So dietary fat, you know, things like fish and nuts and and dairy,
0: avocados,
1: avocados. Yeah, like healthy fats, they are good for the body. It doesn't correlate with having high body fat. People just think the term fat in fatty foods and having high body fat are the same thing, but it's totally different. Dietary fat is different. Okay, it's having excess particularly excess sugar carbohydrates and hydrogenated fat will make you fat or excess anything will make you put on body fat but dietary fat like you say and avocados and and meat and fish that is not going to make you fat people just because it's the same word and because the industry has promoted zero fat in everything they think it's good but it's not
0: yeah and um normally when it has the fat removed it's replaced with sugar so all these low fat yogurts and low fat shit it's just full of sugar so you're better off just buying the high fat one and having the fast and also fat is really good for if i ever like cut out fat from my diet my skin goes bad it's 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 just um also cholesterol what we have to remember is like you get good cholesterol and bad cholesterol but cholesterol is what your hormones are made out of so if you're cutting that out, cutting out fat and cholesterol is made from fat. So if you're cutting that out, then you you're stopping your body from having the, the essential fuel. In fact, it's called essential fats, isn't it? You have essential fats, so they are essential.
1: Yeah, people just make the correlation. If they pick up a I don't know a zero percent fat yogurt, that they're going to have less body fat by eating it. Mm. But then it's got loads of sugar in which makes it addictive they eat more which means that their body fat percent is going to go up but then in the head they think they're eating zero percent fat food so they should be getting slimmer but they're gaining more weight it leads to so much frustration that people just don't know where they stand anymore i understand why some people don't exercise or they give up after so long because there's so many conflicting arguments and information out there that it is confusing i totally mm-hmm. get that i mean like me and you and other people in the exercise industry and people who are educated know these things but you get bombarded by people trying to sell you 0% fat stuff. That can get confusing. and I do understand it.
0: Yeah. Do you want to hear my amazing avocado fact? Do I have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be impressed by this, actually. Yeah. So avocados are actually left a leftover from the megafauna era, which is um, the dinosaurs They were designed. They are, have evolved to be eaten by giant beings. That's why their seeds are so big, because they were designed to pass through a dinosaur.
1: There you go. Never knew that.
0: There you go. Isn't that interesting? So they're a, they're a relic from a megafauna era. A bit like a crocodile.
1: That one actually <laughs> looks like a bit like a crocodile. Looks like crocodile skin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See? There you go. They were designed to be swallowed
1: whole uh, and then who, pass
0: through. Who knew? Who knew that? So have you got any more?
1: Uh, yeah, I've got three. I'll kind of make them pretty snappy. Go on then. And we'll start with, it's, it's on the same subject as we've been talking about really, but people think that fat's going to turn into muscle or muscle's going to turn into fat. Mm,
0: two different it's things.
1: Two different things, two different types of tissue, or I'm going to I'm gonna turn all this fat into muscle, or if I stop training, all this muscle's going to turn into fat. Two and, uh, absolutely different like things. Like turning
0: no. this pen into that stapler, two yeah. completely different things.
1: No, nah, It's just not how the body works. So... It's just an optical illusion. So someone who, say someone had a lot of muscle and then he stopped exercising, stopped training and started eating crap, then the muscle is just going to decrease, but the body fat's going to increase. Mm. So it looks like the muscle has turned into fat to the untrained eye, but it's not. They just lose muscle and gain in fat, but they're two different things and yeah. vice versa. So Absolutely. And next up, I've got people think that being cold makes you catch a cold people have said that since the dawn of time, I think, but it's just not true. Okay. In fact, it's the opposite. So things like cold showers, obviously Wim Hof is a big proponent of this in recent times. Mm -hmm. These things improve your immune system, which is going to actually decrease your your chance of catching a cold, which is a virus. Okay. So it's very Mm -hmm. relevant today with with the term virus. On the opposite, being indoors and being warm all the time with stagnant air and being around people, it's going to increase your chance of catching germs. So don't think being outside in the cold is going to make you catch a cold. It is not true. And the final one, stretching before a workout. People do mm. these long stretches before a workout. You don't need to do that. You need to do a dynamic warm-up and get your your muscles and your body ready to work out. Okay, there's an old saying like you don't see a lion stretch before it chases a wildebeest, do you? But there the is a bit of an exception, I'll admit. So if you have a some muscle imbalances, and you you need to do a specific stretching and strengthening routine to optimize the body's posture, then, yeah, by all means, do that before you're going to do some heavy squats or something because it'll improve your performance. But if you're just going to do a general workout, you don't need to do these long, drawn-out stretches before your workout. Do a dynamic warm-up, keep moving, get the heart rate up. Then if you want to stretch, do it after you've finished so you can lengthen the muscle.
0: Good one. Yeah, you don't see these ancient, like, hunters just doing stretch routines before they go running off. Do they it's just back in the day when we used to teach aerobics and stuff maybe when you first learned how to teach a class as well they always used to like, like warm up then you do a dynamic then you do a stretch it wasn't even dynamic stretching it was like we were always stretching out quads
1: static, <laughs> stretch.
0: static stretches and uh yeah so all you're doing is just lengthening the muscle. so then it's going to tighten back up again to actually do the work so yeah,
1: yeah. well i grew up playing football a lot and that was just the typical Sunday morning stretching routine everyone yeah. stand hold on to your partner's shoulder <laughs> stretch your quads for 30 seconds <laughs> stretch your calves for 30 seconds when really yeah, you would just be well, yeah. just kicking the ball around and just getting just getting into the specific patterns which you're going to be doing throughout the game yeah but yeah. I think it's it's come a long way now and dynamic warm-ups and things are better so yeah if we can just keep things progressing
0: exactamundo
1: yeah is there anything else you need to add
0: Ah, just about temperature changes that are really good um, to exercise in different temperatures because it's really good for your vascular system. And um, that's what a lot of elite athletes do. They go to different um, temperatures. And it's really good for women who are about to head into the menopause who are suffering from hot flushes. You should be getting cold showers and then going out into the heat and down. It's just because your body doesn't know how to adjust to the temperature changes with the withdrawal of estrogen, which is the main thing that keeps your body temperature
1: the same and it's good for recovery as well so you often see a lot of athletes now They do ice baths and things that are to recover from exercise and you've gone to even more extreme levels like doing cryotherapy chambers which Mm. go down to like minus 50 or something and you only go in there for three minutes but the extreme Mm. cold actually helps the muscles recover so
0: it's, 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 it's a
1: mindset thing as well it's all about it is stop being comfortable all the time
0: it's a, another i'm just going to give you another quick fact that i've i read the other day that um the guy who discovered homeostasis it conducted a load of experiments where it basically had a big oven and he persuaded people at the royal society to go and stand in the oven and he took their body temperatures <laughs> before they went in and they could see how hot they could go and then how much they could stand it and then they came out and took their body temperatures and most of the time they not hadn't even changed a degree inside that's how good our body temperature is actually at keeping it itself in the right state
1: oh yeah it's It's incredible. Actually, it's really relevant now because the gym where I work, everyone who comes in to train, we have to say the temperature. Oh, yeah. Just because of the the pandemic. So people come in and it's like 36.4, which is perfect. And then they do maybe an hour of really intense exercise and they they sweat and they're really hot Then they walk out and just out of interest. Some of them ask to get the temperature taken again. And it's exactly the same. Yeah, so but you they, fail, the... obviously they feel really hot but actually the body's yeah. regulating the temperature really well.
0: Cool, you can tell them about the oven experiment now then.
1: <laughs> yeah, come and jump in this oven <laughs> just a second. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, that's a stunning it for today I think.
1: Yeah, cool, I enjoyed that one. I like these we have kind of two different styles don't we? We have these short, short, snappy statistics ones and then we do like a deep philosophical one every now and again.
0: Yeah, uh, I like them both good yeah so i hope we've um busted some myths for our listeners as well and if there's any of you who hear anybody else sprouting off some of the things then please pass this um pod onto them i'm knitting your categories
1: pass the pod yeah pass the to keep pod. It up. so where can people find you jill what you're up to
0: in my usual spot organicpilates.co.uk. you can go and sign up for my newsletter on my website or come to a class oh i've now got a new service pilates on demand so even if you can't make a live class just let me know and i'll send you a link and you can have seven days to do the class here
1: before you can do you can do pilates 24 7
0: and people should (laughs) 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 and what about you dan you're back at work now yeah back
1: at work in the swing of things doing personal training keeping people fit and healthy in this crazy new world we're living in absolutely but people are enjoying it getting back to training and doing some strength work so Yep, still doing that. And you can find me on Facebook at Daniel Purvis Health and Fitness. And remember the podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, just on the internet. Everywhere. It's It's just just, everywhere. Just on the internet. So just
0: on my website in the resources page.
1: Cool. So if you really want to find us, I'm sure you can. And when you do, (laughs) we hope you enjoy all the episodes. Give us some feedback. And remember to pass the pod.
0: Yay right okay then guys thank you very much for listening as always big love see you soon
1: bye